You know, week after week, uh, we are called by God, uh, commanded by God to come and gather up. Uh, those of us that know and love Jesus, we are invited into a space where we are to come and stir one another up toward love and good deeds. We are to come and do that by worshiping God together, declaring our love for Him. We are to come and do that by remembering who He is each week and who we are in light of what He has done for us. We are to come and explore His Word, anticipating and expecting that we would find new, great, and unsearchable things we have not yet known, that they might transform us into a greater likeness of Jesus. This is what we are invited into and called into every single week. But tonight's gathering is a little different. Certainly, we may discover some great and unsearchable thing tonight. And certainly, uh, we are bound to be transformed in some way because we are gathered here to come and see Jesus again. And there is no version in which that happens that the supernatural beauty of slow and methodical transformation does not take place. But tonight we are not here primarily to find and expect something profoundly new, but instead to stare deeply into something profoundly old. We are here to actually think on the thing that is most simple about what we know of God, and to remember, no more than remember, to immerse ourselves, perhaps more than immerse ourselves, to fix ourselves on that thing that is so simple and so familiar and so known to us if we know and follow Jesus. What a strange thing to gather up to come and stare into something that we already know. Why would we do that? Because between now and when those events took place, a lot of time has passed and we have a propensity as humans that the further the time goes, the more distant these things feel to us. And so God calls us to come into this space on a day like this to remember what occurred, not simply so that we can look back, but so that we can be reminded that that which occurred so long ago is still profoundly present with us today, not just as an historical event, but as the profound foundation on which all of our hope today rests. Because what happened then is still what is most important to us now. So it is to bring ourselves back to recognize that what is actually past is present here with us. We need to know and remember and fix ourselves on the fact that those events are affecting us right now because we have hope and life and freedom now because of those events. So we celebrate them now. And we are a people that have this propensity to have extraordinary realities become ordinary realities in any form of repetition. When we hear them over and over again, see them over and over again, Jesus died for us, Jesus rose for us, Jesus loves us, they feel ordinary to us. And what happened on this weekend that we celebrate so many years ago is anything but ordinary. So we come to fix ourselves again so that we are reminded 
that the most extraordinary things in all of human history that most profoundly impact us today in all of the things in our life, we are here to fix ourselves on again. And what are these things we are fixing ourselves on? It's a strange thing, the Easter weekend, because I think we typically find ourselves uh, in the space where we believe that we come to this day to celebrate his death on the cross as the day where we linger in the suffering and the defeat and the, and, and the difficulty. We grieve here and we wait until Sunday where we can celebrate and experience his victory over sin and death. But in so doing, we actually miss something profoundly important, and that is this that it is actually on this day and the celebration of the events of this day that his victory occurs. He does not win on Sunday. Sunday is the inevitability of his winning today. So Sunday, yes, is a big day, but we are here to celebrate victory today. Why? Because the Word of God says, as God spoke to Paul in his writing of the letter of Philippians that his showing his exaltation, showing himself to be exalted, happened on the day and as the result of his death on the cross. It says in Philippians, his obedience to death, even death on the cross, is why he was exalted. So his exaltation did not occur as the result of his resurrection. His showing his exaltation was in both events. So we celebrate victory in both events. The reason this one's complicated on Friday is because this one, though it is all about victory, includes the dark and difficult realities of how deep the price was that he paid for this victory on our behalf. So we come to a place where we have to encounter simultaneously the emotions of grief and struggle, uh, a little bit of shame because the human race did some things, affected some things, uh, sadness, but also uh, a knowledge, a clarity that we have today because of his word and because of history that the humans who were at these events did not have, we get to celebrate victory. So we grieve and we celebrate, we weep and we worship. So tonight, it is not my hope that we would say some profound thing from the stage some new and great and unsearchable thing you would take home with you going, wow, I saw something wonderful in God's Word. No, tonight, actually the exact opposite. I hope we get to take you back. I hope we get to go back together to a place where perhaps we can encounter some of these events in a way that would fix us on Jesus. So as the teams here over the months past have dreamt and prayed about what that could be, what could we offer in this place that would draw all of us into a space where perhaps we could transcend time and find ourselves transported back just briefly, ever so briefly, to a place where we can hear and see at a distance those glimpses of events so that we would know, oh gosh, we are standing and watching and remembering things that matter a great deal to us.
And so we began to wonder about how we would and through whom we would perhaps experience those events. Because in that same place in Philippians, if you remember what it says, it says this, that through his obedience, even death on the cross, he was exalted, showed himself exalted. And in his exaltation, every knee will bow before him. And then it says something really, really interesting. Every knee in heaven, every knee on earth, and every knee beneath the earth. In all the kingdoms that were present that day, one thing we know, that when this day is over and this weekend is said and done, that the knees of all kingdoms will bow before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we knew and we know because of scripture that the perspective of each kingdom uniquely gives us the ability to know fully perhaps the collision of this day, suffering, defeat, humiliation, and victory, and power, and exaltation. So, what we will offer you in the next few minutes is an opportunity to sit back and to go with us back in time briefly and stare at these events, perhaps from behind a tree. First, sitting behind that tree as a human being, wondering and watching briefly, barely perceiving what is going on, but recognizing that the profound suffering of our Savior is being affected at the hands of humans. And then when we've sat behind that tree briefly, we will hear from a human, feel and experience through a human what it might have been like to be there as someone who loved Jesus and watched hope lost. Jesus had some friends, one in particular that was dear to him as he was dear to her. And her name was Mary, and we will see grief through her eyes and hear grief through her voice. And then we might find ourselves back behind that tree, except this time we will perceive that we are not the only ones behind the tree, that there is another kingdom present, one of arrogance and vengeance that is pouring its power and wrath on our Savior. And He is standing against it. And we will perhaps find ourselves remembering that Jesus didn't just die on a cross for us. He stood against death itself, hell itself, and darkness itself to overcome what we could not and cannot. And we will feel the weight of all that He endured on our behalf. And then we will find ourselves back behind that tree and realize that there is another kingdom perhaps that was watching these events too, one with knowledge that we did not have then, but we actually have now, the kingdom of heaven. And we will hear through that voice the victory that is actually occurring in what is seemingly a day of defeat. And we, I hope, will worship with that voice as we are reminded of the exaltation of our King. And then when we are done, it is my hope for you, as it is for me, that we will find our knees bowing 
as we rise to our feet and we give voice to our worship and our awe of the one who gave himself for us so that we would have life. We are not here to discover new things. We are here to stare into old ones and immerse ourselves and fixate ourselves on them so that as we remember them, we would worship. Let's pray and then buckle up because it's going to get intense as we find ourselves in a place of remembering. God, go with us now, Spirit of God. Let us see and let us hear what we need to see and what we need to hear, that we would be fixated on all of the weight of loss and grief that is this day and your suffering, all of the weight of wrath and hatred that you took on, the kingdom of darkness itself in all of its arrogance and vengeance, that we might be reminded of the weightiness of what you had to pay and endure for us, what you had to overcome. And then, God, would you allow us to see and hear the glory of what victory was yours when you said the words, it is finished. We thank you, Jesus, that you did not say the words, it is finished when you came out of the grave, but you said those words right before you committed your spirit to the Father. The work of my redemption and our redemption did not finish on the day of your resurrection. It finished on this day. And your resurrection is the inevitability of this day's victory. Show us now. We pray in Jesus' name.
finished. It can't be. Your body hangs. I can't look. Your lungs are empty. I saw you take your final breath. Now, I can't breathe. Will I never hear your voice again? You came so close. You said my name. The crown of your head. I remember it anointed with oil. But now it's drenched in dirt and blood. The light of your eyes. They looked at me with knowing and gladness are now dull. Where is their promise? Your words were full of power. But as they beat and mocked and taunted you, you didn't shout or cry out. And now the hands that healed and fed thousands are lifeless, nailed to a cross. We had hoped that you were the one to redeem Israel. You were supposed to be the Messiah. I needed you to be the Messiah. Our rabbi. My friend. Somebody get him down. Oh God, please get him down. He said into your hands, I commit my spirit. Did you not hear him? Do you not see him? Surely he was the son of God. He came here for us and we executed him. The voices who praised him with Hosanna gave way to the mob that shouted, crucify him. What have we done? Oh God. Oh God, have you forsaken us? It is finished.
It is finished. Behold, the broken king, humiliated on a cross, crucified in weakness. The so-called Messiah, wrapped up in the wretchedness of human flesh, <laughs> beaten, exposed, and cast out like an unwelcome dog by his own people. If you really cared for him, you would have sent one of your legions of angels to deliver him off that cross, maker of heaven and earth. You spent the ages assuring your people of your goodness, your presence, Speak of enduring faithfulness now. <laughs> it was sold for 30 pieces of silver. The Son of God was a bargain purchased for the price of a meager field. And here he hangs. <laughs> the earth shook, the rocks trembled and the praises were silenced. And to you, the silent father, he committed his spirit. If only he had committed it to me, that day in the desert, he would have avoided all of this. <laughs> but this, this is better. Let them take down his body to decay in the dirt. Let all creation know the morning star has fallen. The lily of the valley is withered. The branch has been split for chaff. He is despised and rejected. Now, O oh man, you know your God, your precious creator, was unable to stop this glorious slaughter. <laughs> unable to rescue his own beloved. Unable to crush me. And now you will long for the days when you bruised my head and I struck at your heel. For I will devour you whole. It is finished.
it is finished. Behold, the Prince of Peace, his humble glory wrapped in suffering and affliction. Such weight of sin and wrath embraced willingly by the beloved Son of God. What magnitude of love is this that looks like blood poured out for the guilty? We wondered how the universe could bear such enduring affection, such steady tenderness displayed in every lash received, every thorn braved, every ounce of cruelty accepted by innocent loving kindness. Had he called down heaven to release him from pain, to heal his wounds, oh, how we longed to tend to him as they spat in his face and tore his flesh. If only they knew we were there. A multitude of heavenly hosts full of sorrow, bearing witness to the sacrificial majesty of Emmanuel from a balcony seat. It is the strange and marvelous wisdom of our King that death would be defeated by a cross carried willingly. He endured to the end for His people. Little did they know that His exaltation came through His humiliation. The Son of Man was lifted up, and to the Father He committed His spirit. Hope is fulfilled with his final breath. As the earth rumbled and quaked, the veil, that barricade between the everlasting and his people was torn down from top to bottom. He made a way. He made a way. Behold our mighty God. He is the conquering lion and the sacrificial lamb whose blood proclaims salvation. Do you hear it in the holy quiet? It is the kingdom's message. Can you hear the assurance? His death for your life. It is finished.
Make no mistake, his suffering was absolute and horrific. We know this because those who loved him that were human lost all hope as they watched how humiliating his suffering was. It takes quite a suffering for them to lose hope in the one who spoke with such power and showed such power. And the enemy, the kingdom of death, tasted victory in his humiliation. It was that absolute that those who hated him believed they had won. He endured the wrath of the kingdom of heaven against the sin that he took on, the wrath of the kingdom of hell against him, and the wrath of humanity against their Messiah, and he suffered all of it for us. But make no mistake that in that suffering, he showed himself exalted, and he showed himself king of kings, and he showed himself lord of lords, and he showed us his love in a way that cannot be ignored. His love is as absolute as his suffering and his power as complete as his payment. So as you leave this place, do not spend your time between now and Sunday morning weeping. Spend it worshiping because you have a king who has shown himself this day to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords and one who loves you more than you can imagine love should be and could be. And so this next two days, you worship him. I hope you find yourself captivated over and over again to just worship him for who he is and what he has done. And then let us return here on Sunday to gather up for the inevitability of this victory that we might know his love even more than we know it today as we watch him walk out of the grave and we watch the defeat of his enemies and the final setting of his absolute sovereignty and our absolute hope. Let me pray. God, go with us now. Bring us to our knees. Rise us to our feet, and may our tongues sing your praise. And then may we return here in just a few days to come and know your love even more and see your power even more as we celebrate the resurrection and we sit 
and worship in it as we bow our knee and remember that every knee in heaven and on earth and below the earth will bow now forever before you, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, our Savior, our God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming. Have a wonderful weekend.